Visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So. Up this hour we have Ear to the Ground for You, where Andrew Ryan will bring you a fascinating sound from Taiwan. We also have some wonderful classical Chinese music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. But first join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, January 15th, and in the studio we have John Van Trieste. Hello. Paula Chow. Hello. And I am Natalie So. We'll be talking about post-election syndrome, what a lot of us are feeling here after the presidential and legislative elections last weekend. And also be introducing to you one of Taiwan's 30 classic towns for 2020. And some new metro fares for the new year. And also, how most of Taiwan wants to work somewhere else. We'll be talking about all those stories and more coming right up. Okay, well, let's first get to post-election syndrome. We had some major elections on Saturday. We elected a new president and vice president and a new legislature. Um, quite exciting, but um, a little bit too exciting for some people, right? Right. Uh, but, uh, well, first of all, we have to mention that post-election syndrome, um, according to Taiwan's medical community, is not a medical term. Okay. However, it's, it's a term to uh, that is used to describe um, people who get really depressed after um, elections. Well, because, well, I'm a little bit disappointed, not terribly depressed, because the people that I voted for um, did not get elected. Mm. But anyway... Um, According to one psychiatrist, um, she has uh, received um, several uh, messages, you know, from pe- from her patients seeking help because, you know, they are so depressed um, about the um, the election results. And the psychiatrist said, um, you know, some people said, well, they are concerned that their rights will be affected. They think they will be in danger in the future, and others are saying that the mm. sky is falling. <laughs> Oh, wow. Right. So it's pretty um, serious. And the psychiatrist says, well, no, no matter what the election results are, it's not going to change. You know, after, after all, tomorrow is another day. So she suggested, um, you know, the public to, you know, to take a walk and, and shift their attention to something else and you know, do something um, they like. And they can also uh, write it down on a piece of paper, like what I like, and is there anything uh, that I can do to make my uh, to make me happy, or is is there anything um, that I think I can do? The psychiatrist said, if you continue feeling really depressed, religion is also uh, it's it's well not necessarily a last resort. It's also a way to receive comfort, right? right yes, and hope, right? But the psychiatrist said, if you are aren't able to sleep, you have developed symptoms like anxiety, um, chest pain, or, you know, or you don't just feel like doing anything, mm. then you, after that, for two weeks, you better, um, you know, talk to a psychiatrist. Mm. Chest pain, you probably want to seek help um, pretty quickly. Oh. Right. Chest pain, that's not, that's not something you play around with. But, right. Um, I don't know. I think um, one thing that I've learned is that when you feel like the sky is falling after an election, one thing to do is to sort of Look around where you are right now, and okay, the sky's not falling in here. So for right now, at least, I'm okay. <laughs> right. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you 
know, I think going out in nature is good for, for people who are suffering from uh, symptoms of depression because you kind of get a new perspective on things when you look at the ocean or you look at the um, mountains. You kind of see life from a different perspective. I think that's, that's helpful as well. The stars are always good for that, too, if you can get somewhere where there's yeah. a nice night sky. So I know, I mean, my dad is very uh, disappointed and he's like... <gasps> Is Taiwan going to be in a war soon? You guys better come back to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so I think some people um, do get afraid of the worst. That Well, you know, I think election plays to people's fears too, the, the candidates or the campaigns. And so those anxieties are still in people's minds sometimes, right? Right after the election. So do you guys ever have to deal with like divisiveness among family and friends because of different political views? Not, Friction? Mm-hmm. Not in my family, but I heard that, you know, some of my relatives, they, I think there was, it's true, there was a fight between, you know, one father and his daughter. And I heard that, you know, some couples also entered a fight because wow. they supported different, you know, politicians. I heard a story about one of my friends and her, who I haven't seen in a while and her boyfriend having a fight about the election. So I guess it does happen, but not in my particular circle, no. Yeah, I mean, people get very heated, right? Passionate mm. about who they want to vote for. Well, this is really bad, though, because like, because not that long ago, we were telling you about how we have election syndrome. Now we have to deal with post-election syndrome. It's like everything's a syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> we can't escape. Well, at least no more elections and, for what, two more years. Oh, but, but didn't Cohen, Joe Taipei's mayor, say he's running in 2024 or something? Like, we're already on the way to the next one. Oh, it's really? like, it never That's stops. true. I mean, people have to prepare early, right? It's They're already it. talking about the next new leaders for the KMT Exhausting. and the DPP. And, I mean, it is kind of interesting if you follow politics, but it's, it is very exhausting. You have to step away from politics every once in a while. You need a break, and people have very strong opinions. Well, we had a strong turnout. We had 75% people. A lot of young people. And that, which is good. I mean, because young people actually not the majority. They they're actually a minority. In about a third, people mm-hmm. are under thirty nine years and under. And you hear about social media's sort of uh, destructive effects on democracy, eroding things and the fake news and this oh, and that. That's right. But the other thing that I noticed, at least in my sort of friend group, is the a number of pretty young voters, fairly young, between twenty and forty who were like, everyone that I know said, get out and vote. And I don't think I've seen quite that much of a push, like peer pressure push. So at mm. least, so maybe there's, there are pros as well as cons to this social media. It's good to see thing. people participating. You That's feel good. like guilty about not taking part in the That's election. Right. So you people go and vote. Take it seriously, right? Yeah. And um, it's like a civic duty, right? Right. And it's a civic duty that we keep saying this, but in Taiwan actually involves effort. It's more than walking down the street. You're not necessarily registered to vote near where you live. So... You might have to take a train. You might have to take, take a, a day off. If you live abroad, you might have to take a plane. But people that I know and people who know people who I know, I've heard stories of people who I don't know, but friends of friends who came back from like Dubai and things like that just right. for this. Right. Over 5,000 people come from abroad, which is about twice as much as last yeah, I time. Know, I know someone who came back from Japan. So yeah, there's a, a, lot, and a lot of people. So um, people are very passionate. And no wonder there's post-election syndrome. Right? Nobody can, it's not going to, everyone's going to win, right? So. Right. <laughs> and also, like, there's probably a bit of, like, exha- exhaustion, withdrawal exhaustion, because you were su- at such high energy for you're such a long time. You're following this person for so long, and all of a sudden... And it releases, and you're like, like oh, oh. I deflate. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what we learned from the election is, you know, don't put pressure on other people, and don't put pressure on yeah. yourself. We really right. need to find ways to make these things right. healthier for everyone. And do some deep breathing exercises, right? Mm. 
Get out in nature, walk around, take a day off. Anyways, we have Chinese New Year's coming. That's good. That's true. <laughs> The Sound of the Amish Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. About something a little bit more lighthearted. One of our classic towns for the new year. Tell us about that. Yeah, there's been a vote on, well, there's a lot of them actually, 30 classic towns for 2020. And uh, we have an article here about one of the special, one of the mo more special ones, the standout ones that were chosen this year. Uh, this is Jincheng Township. It's the capital of Jinmen County. It's on a an island in the Taiwan Strait, not far from the coast of China, and uh, it is uh, quite a small area, but it has packs a whole lot. Um, do you want to guess uh, what sort of the factors were behind its nomination? I sure. think a lot when you hear the words, the, the name of the island Jinmen, what comes to mind in Taiwanese people's like imaginations? Bullets. A former military post. It's very close to China. There were battles there, That's so there's military true. history. A lot of tanks and old planes and stuff. It's an island that you sh would do something really special um, during, I think, during the Lunar New Year holiday. I mean, people there would, uh, you know, raise Taiwan's national flag and also China's national flag. Really? Well. Yes, that's what they... I'm not sure um, they can do that anymore under this infiltration law. But anyway, I no. I don't know. That's what they did. They are within yeah. sight of, of China. It's They're very close. Uh, but beyond that, there is a lot of stuff that I think a lot of Taiwanese people don't know about this place. Sure. Uh, for instance, oh, otters. Did you know that uh, no. this island is home to very cute Eurasian otters? Oh, that's wonderful. And uh, they have been trying to conserve them. It's part of their... It's a, it is a national park, best known for military heritage sites, like we said, but also otters. And uh, actually, they've held an activity to raise public awareness on efforts to conserve these otters as part of a an annual uh, religious festival that they have here. Also, there are mangrove forests around there, picturesque sunsets, and white sand beaches. Of course, there's culture, too. This festival I was telling you about where they're highlighting the otter is in its 340th year, the Chenghuang wow. Fe or City God Festival. It's the largest active religious activity on the island. You may, it's not, and it's, this whole being designated a classic town is more than just a, something you can put on your tourism resume. Actually, there's money involved. Uh, the central government will give all of these towns at least a million NT dollars, that's about 33,000 US, in subsidies to promote tourism and improve tourism infrastructure. And so uh, in Jincheng, they plan to use the funds to upgrade facilities at tourist sites so it's easier, more convenient to get around. So, um, yeah, so those are the, the, the typical traditional villages and, of, of course, various uh, caves and things that were used during the battles. There's a lot That's of interesting. hangars and battle sites, but it's, not, it's more than just battle sites. Have you guys been to Jingmen? I've always nope. wanted to go, never had a chance. Yeah, neither have I. Actually, I have a, a kind of related story. You know, these old military bunkers um, are all, all over Taiwan, and they've been painted into all different kinds of colors, and people, um, they're left over also from the period when Taiwan was under martial law, and a fear of a Chinese attack was a part of, you know, everybody's life. But nowadays, these are used as storage room 
for tools or parts of parks or they become parts of Instagram sites, yeah. you know, destinations. It would be a good place for storage because if I saw like a camo painted like pillbox looking thing, I would not want to go near that. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't go digging around like, in there. Um, <laughs> so we're getting creative with um, all the different facets of uh, history here, right? Mm-hmm. They become uh, new destinations. And it's nice to know that Jingmen has uh, one that one of their towns have one. Yeah, I wonder what all the other ones are. They're not listed here. Well, I'm sure we can find them, and um, that's a good thing to do in 2020, right? Visit one of Taiwan's classic towns. Okay, I'll tell you something uh, new in the new year about the metro system. Um, which is very popular. Do you guys go on the MRT? Every often? day, probably Every much. day. So this relates to you, John. Uh-oh. Is it it's that new good. line? No, it's not the new line. You're going to get... When is that ever going to open? They've been saying it's going to open for months now. <laughs> the circular line, yes. that is? There is will that... be a new line, I guess, after three years. That long? Yeah. No, so no, where no. does it go to and from? It's, I haven't ridden it connects a lot in a while. Of, it connects a lot of suburbs. It, yeah. like, otherwise, you would have to go into uh, town and then back out on the right. spokes. Sort of, it's very oh, that's inconvenient. Great. That's great. And it's been supposed to be open for a while. And really? I, the maps have all been updated. They say opening soon. No so date. We don't, we don't know okay. yet. So it's but, not that. Um, okay, sorry. It's not that. It's, it's something that actually, if you ride the metro a lot, you can save some more money. Ooh. So instead of giving the, um, they used to give a discount of 20% for those who use an easy card. Okay. Right? But now they're, what they're going to do is you can receive up to 30% discount a month beginning February 1st if you ride the MRT 51 times or more per month. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, so that's like what? Every work day, every work day, right? Um, And then twice a day to and from work. And if you ride between 41 and 50 times, then you can read a 25% discount. If you do 31 to 40 rides, a 20% discount. So it goes down like that. It's it's, uh, downgraded and upgraded according to how how often you use it per month. There's also the monthly uh, all-pass ticket. Have you considered doing that? No, because you have to rebuy it. You have to buy it again at the end of every month. And I always would, I would always forget that. So oh. I just like having my regular cards. So that, it's like 1280 Yeah. I don't I think, know what is cheaper. It depends where you live. Like, at, at, you know, what would happen is I would forget to buy a new one at the beginning of the next month. And then it would be something urgent where I have to rush. And then I'd be like, it's and not, be not worth it. card. I just, it, that's it's too much. It's not worth the effort. I'm too forgetful for that to be pros- worthwhile. <laughs> So. But our metro is really, really uh, world class. I and think it's getting better. This new line, whatever it's finished, looks really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's very clean. It's very convenient. People are very polite, so it's it's quiet yeah. and, and on time. It, it's a great metro, and now we have even bigger discounts for yeah. people use it all the time. Have you seen the new line? It's a double I decker. Haven't. It's very I've been interesting. Driving for the double past decker. few years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. I didn't one, know that. One goes the one that goes the one way is beneath the track that goes the other direction. They've oh. saved a lot of space that way. Interesting. So, so Taiwan is getting more and more um, well connected, right? Yeah. Another good reason to visit Taiwan. such great transportation and great food some people still don't want to work here tell us more about this story okay that's according to a survey released by a job bank um the survey found that 88 percent of taiwanese people consider 
am um, working overseas. Mm. And that's a record high since uh, 2014. And the country they want to go, they want to work um, work there is Japan. Mm-hmm. Really? Right. Yeah. I, I guess wow. it's because Japan is so close to Taiwan and we also share some, you know, similar, similar um, habits. Yes, and, and, right. Oh, yeah. And also the salary is... Uh, oh. Pretty significantly, times. right? Yeah, but, but talking the cost of living is higher, right? Too. It's true. There's a ten percent uh, tax on, I think it's consumption tax now, sales tax. Food is expensive there, right? Right. So. I'm sure but housing is too. Yes. Well, according to a lawyer, um, he said that. Well, it's of course you, you have an opportunity to work overseas. That's um, that's pretty good. But you know, if you want to save money, usually that's not necessarily the case because you know, a, lot, a lot of people think that you know um, Japan, Australia, Singapore, they all have their you know paycheck is two to three times higher than what they can earn, what people can earn in Taiwan. However, like you two just mentioned earlier, the cost of living is pretty high. That's true. So yeah. that doesn't mean that you earn yeah. a lot of money can save a lot. Well, the idea is when you come back to Taiwan, you're super rich, though. That's why a lot of people do right. like working holidays in Australia, especially very young people who've just graduated. If you graduated, can save the money, right? Because you right. come back and you have a leg up on everyone else. You've already got some mm. savings. As long as it, you don't spend it all, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, in Taiwan, it's much harder to spend that much. You have to work hard to spend that much I mean, don't spend it abroad while you're uh, abroad yeah. where everything's more expensive. Yeah, I'm doing some mental mental math now. and uh, Let's see. Two people I know in the U.S., one who's gone to Japan, one in Australia, one in Singapore, one in Thailand, two in China, one in Germany. Whoa. So, Those are your friends? Yes. Local people? Overseas. Oh, yeah. They're all Taiwanese. Really? And some of them were there before I met them. Like, some of them, one of them is married to someone. It's oh. like, there are different reasons, but a lot of it is work. Mostly it's work. Right. So. And the, the lawyer also said there is a, besides the cost of living, and also there is another um, problem. It's a, a problem about ability because he said that unless you go to China, otherwise a language is a problem because he said that a lot of people say that, oh, you know, my English is pretty good. I speak fluent English. That's not enough. That's I not mean, enough for right, like, it's not no. enough. And if right. you go someplace like Australia, the English that you're going to hear is very different than the English that you've probably been brought up lis- listening to here because I think a lot of the books and stuff and textbooks are based on an American good, standard better than yours I mean if, right. if it's right. your second language I mean if right. you're going to like Scotland or something you're completely not used to that <laughs> there's no real variety of accents is what I'm saying in their English education here it's very well, I think that's the case for most places so right and the lawyer also said that well you know some people think that oh they can you know do something uh, really well in another country, that's not the case. If you're not successful in Taiwan, you won't be, probably, chances are you won't be successful in other countries. Mm. But don't think that, well, you know, it's a paradigmatical right. uh, you know, solution. It depends on what it is, though, because I know of someone who is in the States and doing pretty well. But the reason is because uh, what she majored in, like what she did was like anatomical illustrations and like art school. But, you know, for wow, there's no market for that at all in Taiwan. But she's doing, mm. she went to Johns Hopkins in the States and actually apparently is now... Out, out somewhere else and is well, doing pretty well. there's definitely a bigger field in a big there's, country like America. There's US, a lot of things that, right? depending so, on, it depends on what you want to do as well. Right, well, I guess there are a lot to consider. It it's not mm. like the grass is always greener. Um, or as we say, the moon is always bigger. That's the Taiwanese right. way of putting it. <laughs> the moon is always bigger or brighter or... Anyway, um, but we should be happy with what we have here in Taiwan if mm-hmm. we're here, right? It's a, ha- it's a nice place to live. A lot of great transportation and food and friendly people and... Lots of great stuff here. Yep. All right. So a lot of great destinations, too. Anyways, thanks for joining us for here in Taiwan. And uh, do stay tuned for Ear to the Ground and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. For here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Paula Chow. We'll see ya.
Taiwan，almost 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground. Now, fortunately, when Taiwanese people think of the color yellow, they think of more than just bananas. They also think of xiaohuang or little yellows. It's a nickname for yellow-colored taxis. So I hail one to start my adventure. My driver, Mr. Chen, tells me that taxis used to be any color, so it was hard to identify them. Then, in 1990, a taxi drivers union held a survey to choose a color, and yellow was the winner. Yellow is easier to see, says Mr. Chen, both in the sunlight and at night. These days, he says, the color yellow is also thought to attract riches. Now I've also heard that yellow was an important color for the emperors of ancient China. Bye bye bye. So to find out more, I have Mr. Chen drop me off at one of the world's biggest collections of ancient Chinese treasures, the National Palace Museum, nestled in the mountains north of Taipei. The first emperor of the Tang Dynasty, Tang Gaozu, he said, "Nobody except the emperor can wear the yellow clothes." That's assistant curator Wu Songfen. We're standing in front of this huge scroll painting that's taller than me. It's of a very fat Emperor Shenzong of the Ming Dynasty, wearing a long yellow robe decorated with dragons. Wu Songfen tells me that the color yellow represented the earth and was a symbol of being fair and unbiased. Chinese people believe the ideal emperor will have to be generous. Or kind, just like the earth can bear everything and contain everything, you have to keep your words. Just like if you're planting a seed inside the earth, and one day you will harvest. So where do we go to find the connection between yellow and money in modern-day Taipei? Banga, banga. Ah, my taxi driver suggests an old neighborhood where you can find stores that sell golden paper money. I duck into one of the shops, which has a huge yellow sign, and the owner, Ms. Zhu, leads me to a stack of yellow bills. She says I'm going to have to burn some fake money if I want to make some more. She opens up what she calls a zhubaohe, which is a cardboard jewel box, and shows me the ghost money that I need to burn as an offering to the gods and ghosts. I make a purchase, and then Ms. Zhu introduces me to her collection of golden three-legged toad figurines sitting on the counter. They pet them every day and give them offerings of water and apples, and she urges the toads to catch money in their mouths. Across the street, another shop with a big yellow sign offers an entirely different way of making money. It sells lottery tickets. 
The manager, Xiao Su, says the walls are painted yellow because of the association with wealth, and maybe it makes it easier to win. So I buy a ticket, and while it's printing out, Xiao Su tells me about the last big win at his store. A customer won 8 million Taiwan dollars. That's about 270,000 U.S. So Xiao Su set off fireworks to let everyone know, and business shot up by 40 to 50 percent. Maybe tonight someone else will win big, he says. So at 8.30 that night, with my lotto ticket in hand, I turn on my TV and watch as the yellow ping-pong balls pop up with the winning numbers. It's not my lucky night. Perhaps I should have burned my paper money before I bought my lottery ticket. Or maybe I need a three-legged money tote of my own. After all, just about everyone I spoke to today had one. Even my taxi driver had a lucky toad sitting on his dashboard. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Explore the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and welcome to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong. Today we'll play for you traditional New Year songs and dances of the Chou, Ami, and Puyuma tribes here in Taiwan. As you know, that there are 16 recognized tribes here in Taiwan. And the first piece of music is from the Chou tribe. This is a warrior song taken from dancing and singing ritual.
Nakamo, a warrior song from the Zhou tribe, and next, let's listen to Homayaya, meaning Millet Harvest Festival. Yaya Millet Harvest Festival of the Zhou Tribe. The Zhou Tribe in Taiwan mainly live in the Alishan Mountain chain in Jiayi County, southern Taiwan, and in the southwestern part of the island as well. The Zhou are a patrilineal society where married couples live with the husband's family, and millet is their major crop, and rituals accompany each stage of the millet farming from sowing to harvesting. And coming up, we'll play for you songs from one of the largest tribes, the Ami tribe. The Ami tribe is the most populous of all the Aboriginal tribes here in Taiwan. Male participation in tribal affairs is conducted through the men's age grade system. The Elysian New Year ceremony of the Ami, which is akin to a New Year celebration, involves the whole community. Its purpose is to venerate the spirits and tribal ancestors at the close of the year as a way of thanking them for the protection and praying for a plentiful harvest and good fortune in the year ahead. And now we'll listen to Kaifo Lodan. Oh, yeah. 
Songs and dances of the Elysian ceremony are not performed at other times, for the elders believe that performing them casually would bring down some natural disasters. The songs are sung by cantors and a chorus, and all singing must be accompanied by dancing, which in turn must display a wide variety of steps. And next, we'll listen to Pakomodan. Oh, hey, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. 
This is Radio Taiwan International. And again, you're listening to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong. Today, we feature music of some of the Aboriginal tribes here in Taiwan. The, the Chou tribe from Tufufa village, the Ami tribe from Iwan village, and the Puyuma tribe from Nanwan village. And finally, the Ami tribe from Kiwit village. Despite the drastic changes that have taken place in the modern world, many of Taiwan's Aboriginal tribes have humbly carried on the traditions with dignity, cherishing the ritual songs and dances passed down by their ancestors. And next, we'll play for you music from the Puyuma tribe, Nanwang village. The Puyuma people live in the eastern part of Taiwan on the Taitong Plain between the mountains and the sea. The most impressive activity in Nanwang village is the New Year Festival. In the past, headhunting expeditions were an important part of the festival, both as a vehicle for the men's warrior spirit and as a way of ensuring a plentiful grain harvest. The New Year Festival was also an important focus for the rites of passage among the adolescent to adult. And next, let's take a listen to Mugamud Women's Festival.
Festival, a song from Nanwan Village of Puyuma Tribe. Traditionally, Nanwan Village was the most influential Puyuma community, and even today, its religious worship and rituals remain the best preserved. And the next two songs that we're going to play for you are taken from the Kiwit Village of Ami Tribe. Kiwit is an ancient settlement of the Central Ami, where the men's age grade system is still preserved. And where the Elysian New Year ceremony is observed in its full glory. From the Kiwit village of the Ami tribe, celebrating the passing of the year, and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the selection of our music featuring the passing of the year, traditional New Year songs and dances of the Chow, Ami, and Puyuma tribes. Thank you for listening. For comments and suggestions, please write to PO Box One Two Three Dash One Nine Nine Taipei Taiwan, and our email address is RTI at rti.org.tw. RTI is short for Radio Taiwan International. I'll leave you with New Year ceremony song from the Ami Tribe. Thank you for listening once again. I'm Carlson Wong, and I'll see you next one. Take goodbye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.